Well, I don't know if you've heard this yet or not, but I've got big news. School is back in session. Can I get an amen? School's back. School's back. Hey. Okay, where are our teachers, administrators? Where are you? Wave at me. Big waves. We want to honor you. We love you. Yes, if you're online, drop it in the chat. I'm a teacher. Teachers make this world go round. And after the last year and a half, parents everywhere are rejoicing because the kids, they back. They back in school five days a week. They have amazing teachers, friends, schedules, routines. I love it. And sports are back, middle school sports, high school sports, Illini sports. Well, they, they're kind of back. They're not really back yet. They had a little rough day yesterday, but that's fine. They're going to be back real soon. Strong start, strong start. I'm so glad we're back into the routine, but let me be totally honest. Uh, it can be a little difficult with the three kids. I've got three amazing kids, but this year, they're in three different school buildings. So when I say there was like a lot of administration happening on my end, there's a lot. I'm talking like three different you know, sets of teachers, three sets of administration, three bus times, bus routes, three different lunch menus just to make it really fun. It's a lot, but I'm not complaining because I love school. I love school. I've always loved school, actually, even as a kid. Um, I was a solid, like, A, B student. I loved going to class, and I loved being involved in different activities. Uh, pretty much, if there was uh, something I could participate in, I did. So musicals, cheerleading, class officer, uh, student council, volleyball track, like, you name it, I was there. Now, part of that is because I'm an extrovert, so just give me all the people, right? I love it. But part of it when I was looking back and reflecting, like, why did I do everything? Because as a parent now, ain't no way I'm letting my kids do all that stuff. Why? Why did I do so much? Honestly, I hated to be at home. I hated being there. Home was a place for me that was a place of pain, a place of chaos. And I would rather be anywhere but there. You know, my parents divorced when I was nine, and after that, my mom was diagnosed with a chronic illness, uh, and it really kept her from doing a lot of those motherly duties, things like, you know, washing the dishes, cooking the meals, grocery shopping, laundry, all of that really fell on, our, on us, the kids, and we weren't very good at it, let's be honest. So it really created a, a home that was not filled with peace, it was filled with pain. And so I actually spent a lot of time not at my house, and I all but lived actually at my friends' houses. So middle school, high school, I, I would stay hours, weekends, every time I could be at my friends' houses, I was there. But I actually did it with a purpose. You know, I had this point where I recognized that, you know what, my family's different than other families. They, they don't actually walk through the pain that I've walked through, and, and I was really good at keeping it hidden. Like, I was so embarrassed in my home life that I never told my friends, but I certainly never had anyone over. So when I would go over to my friends' houses, I was really strategic, and I, every time, would pull myself right up to the kitchen counter, and I would sit down and I would talk to the parents for hours. I wanted to learn everything I possibly could from these people. I wanted their wisdom. How do you have, how do you have a normal family, right? How do you raise healthy kids? How do you interact with each other? How do you pay your bills and do life? How do you have healthy relationships? I wanted to learn how to do this because I wanted a healthy family one day. And what I didn't realize at the time that these desires that I had to build a healthy family, these were God-given desires. He wanted to show me the way because he loves building healthy families. But I didn't learn until much, much later that healthy families aren't built because people know how to do all the right things all the time. Perfect families, they don't exist. They're not built on a place that, where people are always doing right things. Healthy families are built on a person, and his name is Jesus. 
And what I didn't know then that I discovered is that I actually didn't have to go searching for him. It wasn't like looking for a needle in a haystack. Jesus has been running after me since the day that when I was in my mother's womb, like before I was born, he's been pursuing me. And he's always been saying good things about me. And he's crazy in love with me. And you know what? The same is true for you. He loves you so much. He's passionately pursuing you. You don't have to go find him. He wants you to encounter his incredible love today. He loves you. And so we're going to talk today what it means, talk about what it means to encounter love as we pursue all the good things that he has for us. But let's just pray. We're going to invite Holy Spirit to be our teacher. So Father, we love you. We love being in your church. We love being a part of your church family. And we love that you long to spend time with us. So you are welcome here. You're welcome here. Do whatever you want to do. This is your morning. This is your word. And we just invite you to be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so I mentioned I have three kids. My oldest, his name is Cohen, and he has officially entered the wonderful world of middle school. Yeah, sixth grade, baby. Okay, it's exciting and petrifying. Um, we have been already like introduced to the world of middle school sports. We have had no less than 1,500 conversations about why he needs a cell phone, which we have not yet given in, but give it time. I know that's going to happen. Um, but Cohen is a great kid, okay? Literally, like, type A, really responsible, smart, all of this. And one of his teachers from the middle school sent home one of those get-to-know-you forms, right? They all do this. They want to know, what are your favorite foods? What do you like to do for fun? Who are your friends? And he, again, he's studious. I never check in on his work because he's always uh, on it. And he was filling it out at home, and he comes to me. He's like, Mom, I'm done, but I just got this one question I can't answer. I'm like, buddy, like, you're pretty smart. Like, figure it out. He brings it over, I'm looking at it, and it says this. What difficulties or challenges have you faced? And he just looks at me, he goes, I don't, I don't know, I've had a pretty great life. And you guys, in my heart of hearts, thank you, Jesus. Because at 11 years old, I couldn't have said that. At 11 years old, I'd already walked through a lot of pain. I've had a lot of loss. At 11 years old, I could have written a few things on the line. And so I said, thank you, Jesus. But I also took that moment. I looked him square in the eyes, and I said, don't you ever forget how lucky you are, kid. Okay? <laughs> I'm a good mom. But I also, I think, man, he's just 11. I got a lot of time to really screw this up. So <laughs> stay tuned, my friends. Stay tuned. <laughs> no, but really, I wanted to pause and just thank God because God is a God who redeems families. God is in the business of building healthy kingdom families. And what has been does not have to be what will be. God changes the game, and an encounter with his love is everything we're going to need to do it, okay? Our Heavenly Father is in the business of building healthy families, and he does it in the natural, but he does it in the spiritual, too, and this is what I love about this place. This is not a church building you go to. This is a family you become part of. Here at the Vineyard, you are a part of a family. You're not alone. And so what I love is that God has given this family a unique purpose and a unique DNA. It doesn't make us better than any other church. Hear me say it. It doesn't. It just makes us us. And so when we talk about the Vineyard, I love that God's mission for this place is that we would encounter love and experience transformation and extend the miraculous. Those are three things we're really passionate about here. So encounter love. Everyone say encounter love. Encounter. encounter love. If you're online, you just drop that right in the chat. Encounter love. What does this mean? Because this word love, we hear it in a lot of different contexts. And in, in, in the English, we get kind of, it's like, it's boring. It's like one word to mean a thousand different things. So I say, I love coffee, and I do. 
And I say, I love fall, and I really do, because I love fall. You guys, literally, my mood exponentially increases as the temperatures go down. I love it. I love fall. I got my jacket. I'm going to lure it out. Love fall. But love is a word that when we say, oh, encounter love, I'm not saying encounter fall, like the way you love fall. I'm not saying encounter like the way you love coffee. I'm saying encounter love. And this love, biblically speaking, is not it's not a friendship love. It's not a romantic love. It is agape love. When we say encounter love, what we mean in the Greek, it means the unconditional God love. Unconditional God love. It means our human minds, we can barely actually understand what that even means. It's so big. It's so good. It's unbelievably too good to be true. Agape love. Encounter. Unconditional God love. And when we encounter this love, do you know that we are encountering God himself? We read about that here in 1 John 4, 16. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. Let's read this last line all together. If you're online, drop it in the chat. Ready? God is love. When we encounter love, we encounter God because love is who he is. How do we know this? How do we have tangible evidence of the love of God? We're going to read this in John 3. You might have heard this one before, John 3, 16. Maybe this is a different translation for you. It says it this way, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. And this is my favorite part. We love to stop right here. It gets better. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. Listen up. And you know what? If he didn't send his son, he didn't send you or me. Ah. But to be its savior and rescue it. This is the gospel, my friends. This is very, 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 very good news. God showed for us his unconditional love when he sent his only son into the world to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to be raised to life again, to pay for all sin for all time. And you know what? He did this knowing that some wouldn't even care about it. He did knowing that some would never receive the love that he wanted to give. Some would turn their nose up at the sacrifice, and yet he did it anyway. Unconditional God love. He loves you before you ever love him. He's for you before you ever know who he is. He's crazy about you even if you never call him by name. He loves you. He wants you to encounter his love today. He wants you to encounter it. Do you know what encounter means? There's a lot of different definitions, and I know you can say, oh yeah, encounter, encounter. My favorite definition of encounter is to come upon face to face. When we say we want you to encounter love, we want you to encounter face-to-face, -face, unconditional God love. You know how uncomfortable it can be to be face-to-face -face with someone? I really wanted you to try it, but they told me, like, COVID, you probably shouldn't do that. It's fine. Face-to-face, -face, it's so intimate. It's so personal. It's such a close, intimate knowing. You know, when my kids have to apologize, because we make them do that sometimes, it's harder for others some than others. My youngest especially hates to apologize. But when, we, when we have them apologize, what we're saying is our relationship, we're a little off. 
something's wrong here, it's amiss, we have to restore relationship. So do you know what I make them do? Face to face, baby, and I bring them in forehead to forehead every time. When you, when you do this, you guys, they just melt. You, you just like, I want you to try this this week with permission, with people, don't just do it. <laughs> face to face and be known by someone. It's so intimate, it's so personal, it's so deep. Be known by the Lord. That's the way he wants to encounter you today. He wants to be face to face with you. It's a beautiful thing. And do you know why? He loves you. And he loves to be with you. And he's not bringing you in just to tell you all the ways you're missing it. He's not bringing you in just to shut you down. He's not rejecting you. He's saying, I want to be with you. And I want to be not just like, yeah, you can sit over there. He says, right here, face to face. And he calls you by name. And he tells you all the things that he loves about you. And you know what happens? We become so fulfilled in the love of God because we've rested in relationship. That's what it means to encounter love. Encounter love. And as I was talking with the Lord about this message, he's like, Leah, I want you to tell the people something. I'm like, great, help me. He says, I want you to tell them, come home. Come home. But listen, I argued, first things first. That's what I do. I said, oh, no, Lord, home. That's a horrible thing for some people. Home. That's anywhere I wanted to be. I didn't want to be there. Think for a moment about what home means to you. Maybe home was a place where, like, all the good memories come flooding back. Maybe you went to Disney World. Maybe your parents loved you and you created a home of peace that was filled with the presence of the Spirit, and I hope that that is true. But for some of you, home was not like that. And when I say come home, that's like come to pain? Come to rejection? Come to the place that made me feel like I was never good enough, like always striving to please my parents and they were just never, I was never good enough? Come home can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, I used to think that like my family was the only one with problems. Right, we do that. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I never told anybody about my crazy family because I knew all the other families were normal. Then I grew up, and you know what I realized? Everybody got problems. Everybody has problems. There's no normal families out there. And as good as your experience might have been, and I pray it was incredible, it still wasn't perfect. You know why? You were raised by humans. Everyone say humans. Humans. Oh, my goodness. Now, for parents, this gives us a really big, deep breath. Oh, good. We don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but you can invite Holy Spirit into that to build a healthy, strong family. He wants to partner with you in parenting. Not perfection, not performance, resting in relationship with him. He wants to show you how to do it. And for some of us, this means we actually need to go back and we need to forgive where there were places of pain. Forgive. If we're walking in unforgiveness, we're actually not walking in God's freedom. Parents aren't perfect, they're people. People aren't perfect, but we do invite Holy Spirit in to teach us how to do our very, very best. He wants to build healthy families because he's in the business of building healthy families. And so many times, what happens when we talk about this love thing, like encountering love, and I think, yeah, come home, come home, that's what it means, encounter love, come home, and we think home wasn't so great. That's because what we're doing is we're projecting our earthly experience of family and fathering onto our heavenly father. And it just doesn't work that way. Again, this is agape love, unconditional God love. 
It's hard to have agape love this way, right? Agape love is this way. It's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of experience, and only the Father can love you that way. But he wants to. He wants you to receive that kind of love from him today. Sometimes when we're invited into that kind of intimacy with the Lord, it feels like too much, right? It feels like, and when you try it this week, you'll know what I mean. It feels like too close, too intimate. I don't want to be that vulnerable. And so what happens is we start pushing it away. Like, oh, not good. Now, we call it fancy things. We label our, our ways that we push this away. And it's usually one of two things. We begin to walk in religion or we walk in rebellion instead of resting in relationship. What do I mean? When we start walking in religion, we believe if only I do all the right things, if only I obey all of God's rules, if only I am perfect, if I perform right, then it's okay for me to receive this love. I've earned it. Danger, danger, danger. On the flip side, we say, that love, it's too intimate, it's too much. And so I start pushing it away and I rebel. I start walking in rebellion. I don't need your rules. I don't need your love. I do this on my own. I don't need anybody. So what does it mean to walk fully in religion or even a spirit of religion, which happens sometimes? When we believe we have to obey all of the rules to be accepted, to be right, that is religion. And people, when we're struggling with with religion, we become obsessed with the rules. Why? We want to know the truth so that we can follow the truth, so we can obey the truth, so we can be pleasing to the Lord. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. What does the word tell us? Before you were formed in your mother's womb, you were already right. Jesus has made you already right. You already belong to the family. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into right standing with the Father. And what happens when the enemy starts speaking this lie over us is we begin to perform. And, really dangerous, we think that we, ha- we have earned it. We're like, but I, but I, I mean, I did follow his rules. My life's pretty great. I mean, look at me. I did it. Please don't negate the powerful work of the cross. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit has gifted you with his undeniable grace and has allowed you to partner with him to make really great choices, and that's incredible. But please don't negate the work of the cross. And then the flip side, we head over to Rebellionville. People think this is the fun side right? Oh, rebellion, freedom, I do what I want, right? Over here in religion, let me just say this. Ultimately, we perform because we are afraid we're going to be rejected, right? If I don't do it right, you're gonna, you're gonna push me out. You get over here to religion, they say, I don't want, no, yeah, rebellion. This is a lot of R's, just go with me. (laughs) Rebellion over here, and we think, I don't want your love. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody, and you guys, like, self-reliance, that's like a celebrated cultural value, right? Oh, you're strong, you're independent, you don't need anybody. It's not a kingdom value. It's not a kingdom value. And I feel this deeply, you know why? I am this independent, right? This is like my story. All I want to do is I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody. Don't negate the work of the cross. You can't do it on your own. You never could. But we, can't, we, we go over here and we say, I don't need your rules. I don't even like your rules, so I do what I want. Ha-ha, I'm living in freedom. And it's not actually freedom, it's bondage. We think that we're creating our, this free little life, and it's not. 
It's just not. The Father wants to set you free from the thing you think is bringing you freedom today. You think that you're in charge, you do what you want, I do me, I want. Guys, you do need someone. His name is Jesus, and he sits in this radical middle place of relationship. And he's saying, come home, come home. Don't walk in independence, assuming you got this. Rest in interdependence with the one who wants to partner with you. Encounter his love. His love is the only thing that can set you free from the trap of religion or the trap of rebellion. His incredible love. And there's this great example of this found in a passage in Luke 15 where Jesus is telling his disciples a parable, which is a little... Like, it's like an easy story that he tells to get a really deep spiritual concept across. I love stories. I love parables. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, he's like, hey, there was this guy, and he has two sons. And one day, the younger son comes to the dad, and he says, I want my inheritance early. Gimme. Cool. Basically, in the Middle Eastern culture that Jesus was telling this story, it would be like the young son coming to the father and saying, Pops, I wish you were dead. Give me my money, I'm gone. We would call this rebellion. Everyone say rebellion. Rebellion, rebellion yeah. So the crazy thing to me is the father actually gives the son what he asks for, and he takes his inheritance, and he slices it in two, and he gives some to the older brother and some to the younger brother, and actually the translation in the Greek says that he literally gave them his life. He gave them everything he had. What does it sound like, by the way? Gospel, everyone say gospel. Yeah, this is the gospel story, great. So he gives him everything he has. The younger son takes up his riches and he heads out and he's like, I'm going on the adventure of a lifetime. Freedom! So you can imagine what he might be doing with all of his money. You can fill in the little blanks, but he's out uh, and he runs and he actually spends every last dime that he has. And there ends up being this famine in the land and this young son is like, I've blown through all my money. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to get a job. Like, okay every teenager everywhere, right? Like, oh, it's more expensive to live than you think. He's like, I'm an, okay, there's a farmer. He's hiring. Great, I'm going to see if I can work for this farmer. Oh, it's working with pigs. Okay, let me say this. My in-laws are farmers, and they have had hog buildings. Ew. Like, I mean, I don't, like, from far, far away, ew. I mean, bacon, so we're happy, but oh my gosh. Like, I, I could never. I just can't. So here's the young son, and he's sitting in with the pigs, and he's broke, and he's so starving that he actually considers eating the slop that the pigs are eating. This is like rock bottom, right? That's a very, very, very bottom. This is desperate. And he has this aha moment, and he thinks, gosh, my dad treats his guys better than this. I, I bet, I'm, I'm going to see if I, maybe he'll let me work for him. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to see if I can work for him. And he starts practicing his apology speech, right? God, I'm so sorry. Or, Dad, I'm so sorry. You know, I, 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 I've sinned against you. I, I'll never be worthy to be called your son. But please, just hire me on as one of your employees. So he's practiced up, and he's ready, and he starts heading for home. And then feel this for a moment. You're the son. You've blown it. You, your ego was up here, your character was right here, right? You really messed it up. You're coming back with your tail between your legs. It takes a lot of humility to come home. But do you know that that's a beautiful kingdom value? Humility. You can't do it on your own. So he comes home. And then feel what the father feels. He's sitting home, his son is gone, he's devastated. 
He wished it would have gone any other way, but it didn't. And from a long ways away, he's looking. And he sees his son coming, dressed as a beggar. That's not your kid. You spend your whole life clothing them, dressing them, trying to give them everything they need. Here he is in rags. But great compassion swells in his heart for his son who was returning home. Great compassion. And he runs out, and he races to meet him, and he sweeps him up in his arms, and he hugs him dearly, and he's kissing him all over and over with tender love. And the son, he starts his little speech, right? I've been working on this, Dad. I'm so sorry. Look, please forgive me. I know I can never be worthy to be called your son. And the father stops him. He interrupts him. And I think, he's been working so hard. Just let him finish. But he doesn't. He says, son, you're home now. It doesn't matter. You're home. He loves his kid. When Jesus is telling the disciples the story, this is your story. This is my story. He's saying there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that will separate you from the love that your father has for you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how stupid you were, how messed up it's been, things you've thought about, things you even acted on. It doesn't matter. The father says, I love you. He's longing to embrace you today with that love that he has for you, that agape love. Doesn't matter. Come home. And it takes humility to say, I was wrong. I'm home, Dad. Come home. The doors are open. This is grace. Amazing grace. Open doors. Scripture tells us that the older brother had a very different experience Right, the older brother, he's already home, right? He never left. He sowed no oat. Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't do all those things. He stayed home, and he worked. And when all this was taking place, when the brother was rushing home, and the father was celebrating him, and even when the father says, hey, we're going to throw you a party. Brother misses all that. You know where brother was? He's working out in the fields like a good son. He's working. So he's tired. He's sweaty. He's gross. Farm life, right? He comes in from the field, and he sees what's happening. And you know what happens? He is mad. Says it this way, the older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come, enjoy the feast with us. And the son said, father, listen. This is very brave, by the way. How many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you. What does this sound like? Religion. Everybody say religion. Yeah. Never once have you thrown a party for me for my faithfulness. Never once have you given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you've always, you are always with me by my side. What is he doing? He's inviting him back to relationship relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. He said, everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Some of us, we've been the younger brother. We've been out, we've been partying, we've been doing it up, thinking we're walking in freedom, but we've actually been eating slop with pigs. Father says, come home. That's not the life you want. 
I promise you, that's not the life you want. It's not about the rules. It's God's very loving parameters. Do you know when we talk about sin and people think like, oh, it's about me obeying. I got to do it right. The Father is so loving. He puts these little parameters, these little guardrails up that says, oh, if you do that, that's not going to be best for you. It's going to create a lot of pain. You're going to end up eating pig slop. You can do that. You can think it's freedom, but it's not going to be best. They're loving little parameters. I, I tell my kids, we, you know, you can't have 14 treats a day. I know, I'm the worst mom on the planet, right? Why do I say that? Because I love making rules. It's so much fun. No, because I care about your health. It's not best for your life. The same thing is true. We think that we're walking in freedom, but we're actually walking in bondage. Come home. Would you just come home? It's not best for you. And some of us have actually felt like the older brother. We, we've, we've, again, we've sowed no oat. We have not been out doing the crazy things. We've been home. We've been following all the good church rules. We've done it, right? And yet we say this, how many years have I been working like a slave for you? God, you can put his name in there. I've been doing it, God. I've been doing it all right. And the problem with this mindset is exactly what he said. He has operated as a slave and not a son. Slaves believe they have to work hard and obey to be cared for, but sons know they belong to the family regardless of your work. Doesn't matter what you do, you belong. Let me ask you this. When did my son Cohen have the right to call himself my son? When did he earn that right? Was it when he aced that test? Which he did, because it's going. Is it when he took out the garbage without asking, which sure makes my mama heart happy? No. It was the moment, after 52 hours of excruciating labor, I should get a medal. It was the moment that I held him in my arms. He did not earn the right to be called my son. He's my son because he's my son because he's my son because he's my son, and I love him. And do you know that you belong not based on anything you've ever done or will do? You are loved because you belong. You are a son. You are a daughter. There's nothing you could do or not do that would keep you from that status. You don't earn it. You simply are born into it. So the father says today, be born into it. Forget the religion. Forget the rebellion. Be born. Come home encounter love. I love that this is what we're going after, Vineyard. I love that God is building this in this Vineyard family. I love that we are people who encounter his agape, unconditional, crazy, too-good-to-be-true kind of love, and I love that we extend that kind of love to the world. He's building a beautiful thing in this family, and this is for everyone. This is, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to have some special pedigree. You just belong because God loves you, and I love that we come together every weekend to celebrate this goodness. We come together to be reminded of the goodness of God, the love that he has for us, because we can forget it out there, right? Sometimes we forget. We start acting like the younger son. We start rebelling. Why? You know, people don't rebel against rules. They actually rebel against lack of relationship. Teenagers, like parents of teenagers, take note. It's not the rules. They want relationship. And the father is inviting you into relationship today. I'm going to end by sharing a story with you from some Vineyard members here that I love dearly. This is James and Deborah Leonard, and I want to share a little story of how they have encountered love here at the Vineyard. 
So we started attending Vineyard Church in 2017 after years of standing and believing God's promises for our children's salvation. We saw a miraculous transformation in our daughter when she started attending the Vineyard after years of being asked by a friend. We saw God melt a hardened heart. Those feelings of condemnation and discouragement that had been left behind by religion. After our, doors, our church doors closed, we had to come and see what was going on at the vineyard. What we saw was the unconditional love of God, that's agape love. She encountered love. We saw the unconditional love of God and an acceptance of all, regardless of what a person looks or dressed like, background or title behind a name. This love was also conveyed in worship by providing an atmosphere for reckless abandonment of self and a focus solely on the one who loves and truly deserves it, Jesus. It was transpired through the messages weekly how God loves us and does not condemn us and is inviting us to partner with Holy Spirit daily to help further his kingdom. Would you stand with me? The Father wants you to encounter this kind of love today, and it is a supernatural thing that happens, right? We feel it in our bones. I hear sometimes, like a lot of times when people come to the vineyard, they're like, something was just different during worship. It's not the songs. It's not the guitars. It's not the lights. It's the presence of Holy Spirit who longs to meet with you today. And we say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want in this worship set. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are the teacher. You are the encourager. You are the giver of love. You are the one who makes wrong things right. And we release your love into this room right now in Jesus' name. Father, do what you want to do. Restore broken hearts. Would you, would you heal what's been broken in our lives? We say, Father, we're home. We're coming home. We run to you, and we want to be so face-to-face -face with you as we encounter your love. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.